Friends, you know that we've been preaching through the book of Acts. Uh, we're doing a series in Acts as I'm actually co-writing a preaching commentary on Acts. It's been a fun exercise to write and then get up and preach. And the entire time we were planning for the sabbatical, I had it in my mind, we got to get through Acts chapter 12. Because if we're finished Acts 12 and then I step away for a sabbatical, that's a great natural end. That's where... Um, the, the gravity shifts from the church being based in Jerusalem to then the church being based in Antioch and all the missionaries get sent out. And I thought, man, that's going to be a wonderful thing. So this week I start writing a sermon on Acts 12. And then I get to thinking, our family's about to step away to a sabbatical and it's going to be three months in June, July, August. That's a long time and a lot can happen in three months and a lot of changes can happen within the body and... Um, that's a, that's a weighty thing. And for our part, our family's part, we're thrilled to step away and rest and thrilled to be back here. This is not like a subtle hint that we're going anywhere. We love being here. But it's a big deal to preach and step away and think what God will do in this body over the summer. So I got to thinking about things and I got to think about heavy and weighty and eternal things and this week I was thinking about one of our precious members, a founding member, Beverly Graves, who has pancreatic cancer and is very serious, and she does not have long to live. And that's a weighty thing. And then I think there are some in this body who are young and healthy, and who, according to God's providence, are not long for this world, and they may precede Bev. And then I think, you know, no matter what, we are living in the last days, and Jesus is telling us that he will appear at any moment when we least expect it. And I might not even get through preaching this sermon or get through doing this sabbatical before Jesus himself comes again. And as I was wrestling over Acts chapter 12 and Herod being struck dead and eaten by worms, I thought, you know, that's the word of God and it can preach, but I don't know if I'm going to bring that text to this moment. I, I want to think about something else. I want to preach today as I should always preach every Sunday as if this were my last sermon and your last sermon before we see Jesus face to face. What if we thought that? And as I had that in my mind this week and as I scrapped a half-written sermon on Acts 12 and I picked up my Bible, I thought about a thousand places we could go to be assured if this were our last sermon but if I had to just pick one, and I had to pick one that I read recently, it's going to be Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. Let me read this verse to us. And it happens in such a heavy place in our Bibles that I think we miss this verse. Remember, this is the sheep and the goats, and Jesus is saying, where were you when I was hungry and thirsty and naked and in prison? And, and, and truly, we get overwhelmed by that, and so we sometimes are thinking about that, which is heavy, and we should, that we miss verse 34, which is tremendous. Hear these words. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, to hear those words, not from a pulpit as we wait for your coming, but to hear them from your lips at your coming, 
is all we desire. Let everything else fade. Let you stand front and center and let us worship and celebrate you as the King of Kings. Today, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Friends, when the King appears, all else will fade. When Jesus shows his face, everything else will feel very unimportant and it will fade away. There is a moment that is coming and the Bible says it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. It says it's going to happen like a thief in the night where the sky itself will be rolled up like a scroll where the trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend and those who are already dead will be resurrected to life to join those of us who are alive when that day comes and we will be assembled before the king. And verse 31 of our passage says that the son of man himself, this king, he will sit on his glorious throne and he will be attended by all of his angels which according to scripture is a countless crowd. John says it's myriads upon myriads. Hebrew says it's innumerable to think of the amount of angels that exist and that will attend Jesus. But as impressive as the sky and the sound and the throne and the light and the billions of angels and seeing humanity assemble the living and the dead, one thing will trump all other things. We're going to see Jesus. We will see Jesus. And so I ask you, This question of questions this morning that can turn a life upside down, it can set us in a totally different direction. When we see Jesus, when he appears, what else will matter? What else matters? On that great and glorious day, we assemble together in this happy, laughing, jostling assembly of sheep And I will tell you that there is not a single person in that crowd of sheep, not a single sheep on that day who will ask the question to themselves, did I remember to turn off the oven? Like when the trump sounded and I was about to make cookies and I ran out to join the living and the dead, did I turn off the oven? No one will wonder that. Because that place with four walls that has your oven in it, that ain't our home. This is our home. That was just a a pass through on our pilgrim journey to arrive and see Jesus. And nobody cares whether the oven is on or off. And when we see Jesus on that day, no one's going to pat their pockets and say, did I bring my wallet? Did I leave that on my dresser or did I bring it? Because where we're going Money can't get you there, and it actually doesn't matter one rip how much of it you had saved until that last day, because all of it is burned up in the presence of Jesus. There's not going to be a single person on that day who will grumble, as I grumble today, I can't believe that person is here, and I can't believe this person is joining us in this crowd. 
because every single human relationship is going to be reoriented around Jesus and the wounds I've inflicted on other people and the wounds they've inflicted on me, those things will fade in the presence of the king. Nobody on that day is going to wonder about their physical health. Nobody's going to wonder about the most recent diagnosis they've had, whether it is life-ending cancer or whether it's a bodily ailment or it's an age or a disability or they've got weak knees. Nobody's wondering, does heaven have stairs? Because I don't do stairs well. What's it going to look like? Because when Jesus appears, he makes all bodies new. And no one is going to begrudge the road it took to get them there. All the tears they cried, all the blood they bled, the route that God had us to get to that final day, which are pitted with obstacles that have raged against us. And in this life, we might say, hey, this is unfair, because if I had the life that this saint had, my road would have been so much easier. But God, you've given me a heavy road. No one will begrudge that, because Paul himself says, I've been shipwrecked, I've been beaten, I've been stoned half to death, and I count all of that as but a light and momentary affliction compared to this glorious, glorious day of Jesus' appearance. And get this, no one will recall a single task left unfinished because Jesus is the finish. And everything I was starting and everything I was doing and everything I was planning was meant towards this aim and this end to behold Jesus face to face. And so you're going to have best laid plans that are sitting on the table. You're going to have half built buildings that stay unfinished. You're going to have my third grade times table workbook sitting out with just the ones and the tens done because those are the easiest and nobody will care because Jesus is here. And even the pastor that had all these incredible dreams and ideas for the church on a whiteboard that he thought she could become, he will forget those in a moment, but if he remembered them, they would feel really, really small next to the presence of Jesus himself. When the king appears... Everything, everything else will fade. When the king appears, even our highest thoughts of him in this life, the most precious memories of him in this life, will fade for the reality of who he is in front of us. Our family took a massive road trip three years ago. We called it the Grand Canyon trip because that was the end of our journey, but we were going to see a bunch of national parks on the way. And so my five-year-old had trouble understanding that there was a lot of stuff that preceded the Grand Canyon. And every time the car was put in park, he would ask, is this the Grand Canyon? And I would say, no, son, this is the Tennessee rest stop. (laughs) And Then we would stop the car again. Is this the Grand Canyon? No, son, this is Missouri. Yeah, we ain't there. Is this the Grand Canyon? No, son, this is 
Kansas. There's nothing in Kansas. I don't want you to talk until we get to Colorado. And then is this the Grand Canyon? No, this is the desert. This is Utah. We're still getting there. I promise we're going to get there until that moment we emerge from two weeks of travel and we stand on the precipice of something you can't even imagine that pictures just don't do justice for. And my son didn't have a single question because it was there. Oh, to see Jesus. Oh, to get there and to see him. And all those pictures we have in our mind of him that we can't help. We know we're not supposed to have images and worship images, but doggone it, every time I read about Jesus, I picture a white Jesus or a black Jesus or a Jesus storybook Jesus. What's it going to feel like when that image just fades away and sharpens into focus of the reality of the thing itself when King Jesus appears and we see him face to face, everything else, even the worship we tried to do this morning, is going to fade in his presence. Now, that would be enough. That would be enough to see him. That would be 10,000 times, 10,000 times enough just to lay eyes on Jesus, have him appear, get a good look at him, and then I could feel like I am at the end of my journey and I could pass peacefully into an eternal dreamless sleep because I have seen the thing that my heart has longed for. But when the king appears, we don't just see him, but he speaks to us. He's got something to say to us as believers. And the very first word out of the king's mouth is pulsing with gospel gravity. There's a sense in which you could take this entire 1,000 page book and summarize it into this moment and into this word that the King Christ himself will say based on his finished work to every saint. And that single word is come. Come. Come, saints. Come close to me. Come into the fullness of my love Come into the extravagance of my kingdom. Come into my kindness. Come out of the highways and the byways where I have found you. Come out of your doubts that you didn't really believe this day would ever come and you weren't so sure if you would really see Jesus and you weren't so sure if death just ended in that dreamless sleep or you would be resurrected again to appear to me. Come into me. Come those who never beat their addictions and their struggles in this life but labored and labored and labored as a believer Come all who are weary and who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Come, come. That's not the word that those on the king's left will hear. The sheep hear that gospel word come and the goats hear that judgment word, the scariest word in the Bible, depart. Even as we read this, that word is terrifying to us now in this life to know that we know some who are on the other side of the king who will hear that word. And it will terrify us now, but one day that word will not 
terrify us. Because when we see Jesus face to face on that day, we will know for certain that all he does is good and right and true. And we will not begrudge him a moment for his kingdom, even when he speaks that word, depart. Now, I want to see in this verse just two more things that the king says before we close. The first is, he says, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. And it's important to remember that when the King Jesus comes for us, he speaks and acts in perfect accord with his heavenly Father. When we describe Jesus as a mediator, as the Bible does, it's easy to get that idea confused because it sounds like a mediator needs to make peace with two parties who are at war, which is what Jesus does, but not in the sense that he is trying to pacify an angry father against these disobedient kids. Like Jesus is this go-between that's trying to cool his father down from doing something he's going to regret later so that we can get into the kingdom without the father being angry at us. Like somehow Jesus is the mom figure and God is the dad figure. And when you need help with something, you ask dad. But when you need forgiveness, you go to mom and you tell her first what you did. Like Jesus has that role and that's not how the Bible describes him at all. We had this weird scene this past week where uh, several of us were away at the beach at a leadership project. And we come home at night to our Airbnb and outside it's me, Devin, and my dad in the car Um, In our designated parking space, there's about 10 people hanging out at night, a few of them with wooden batons in their hands. (laughs) It was not what you want to see at the end of a long day and not what you want to see in your parking space. So naturally, we did what anybody would do. We said, Dad, go go see what's going on. Get out of the car. (laughs) They're probably not going to hit you. Go ask them. So my dad goes out and makes peace and they all move to the side and we park and and everything was totally fine. I have no idea what they were doing. That is not Jesus' role. Jesus is not the go check things out with God and make sure we're cool to get there. Jesus is always and forever about his father's business. Jesus is never trying to talk his father out of his father's business. He is only ever acting in perfect accord with what his father desires, which is exactly what is happening on this last day. Because when Jesus appears, he appears speaking the words of grace that his father has given him. Come, you who are blessed by my father. The Father wills that you would be gathered to Jesus. That's the Father's idea. And he sent the Son to speak it over you in grace today and in grace on that day. So he says we're blessed, but then he says number two, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, Jesus says that in Matthew 25. That sounds a lot like what Jesus tells his disciples in the upper room in John 14 when he says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am you may be also. Now, I love within this church 
how many babies are born to this church. In fact, just this past week, we had a little boy born to our church family. We're thrilled to meet him and greet him. And I love the phenomena of a mother nesting around the time of either having a child or moving into a new house that there's just something innate within her that she's getting the house projects done or telling her husband to get the house projects done and the baby's room is getting set up and everything's just being put just so. She's, she's preparing for that baby to arrive. Could I say this with all reverence and affection? That Jesus is nesting. Jesus... He's got a family to receive into his kingdom. And I don't know what's taking him so long because he spoke the universe into existence in six days. So I guess the stars and the Milky Way, that was easy. But somehow preparing the kingdom started at the foundation of this world and Jesus is still telling his disciples thousands of years later, I've got some stuff to do and some things to hang and some, some stuff to fix and, and get it ready and just so. All so that in perfect accordance with the Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit, he might appear to us when we least expect and speak this gospel word to you in Christ. Come. Come, come to me. Let's pray together. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come. We bid you come. We pray that you will come so that you can speak that word of grace right back to us. Come into this kingdom. You who are blessed by my Father. I pray, Lord, that as a believer, this is our highest treasure and aim that we would live our lives unto this. And I pray as an unbeliever that this would be a treasure of great price that when we hear it's possible, we will sell everything to claim it and to receive it. Will you do that in our body? We ask in Jesus' name, amen.